0: For free shipping and three hundred and sixty five day returns.
2: What's going down?
1: Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down, a day delayed, I do apologise. Uh, my name is Kenny, joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, how are you this wonderful Wednesday? Kenny,
2: I'm I'm doing alright, I'm doing okay, I feel your pain. You're not going to share with the listeners the details of your ordeal on the way no. there and on the way back, because it will take up half this podcast. <laughs> Suffice to say, I'm feeling pretty drained having just heard the story for the last twenty minutes, so however long it took you to tell me. Ah. It was about twenty minutes actually.
1: It was, yeah. Well, you can you know, we, we like to we like to catch up on how, how each other's doing before we start the podcast. And usually we do we you know, it doesn't take us twenty minutes to tell each other one story, but I mean that is the level of well,
2: But it did, because, you know, but there again, you know, it was quite a lot of hours spent. And you probably gave me an abbreviated version of it as well, Kenny. And for that, I thank you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Never fly American Airlines, folks, is the message. But uh, after a 27-hour travel day, I am back. I am here. I did get to go and see the Sugar Babes last night in Glasgow, which was actually, because people were going, you're mad. Why would you do all that and then go? And it was like, you know, if you have a really bad travel experience and there's a chance to end the day on something positive... End it on something positive. So, I agree. Yeah, very, very. Is good. it the original lineup? Yes, it's the original lineup of Mutia and Keisha and Shavon, who was in the original. But the interesting thing is, Shavon was in it for like the first album, so there was like two songs they played from that. But then the the most of the Sugar Babies run was involved was had Heidi in it. You know, the blonde kind of scouser girl. And it's funny because Shavon's there singing all these songs that she was never in. And it's bizarre. I don't know if that if that's really ever happened with many bands where they do these big greatest hits tours, and there's one person who's just not there whatsoever, and an original person came back and sings all their verses. Very strange, but they were very good lives. They were really fun. Um, did about an hour and a half. Um, because there's a there's a venue in Glasgow, which when it's when it's not a venue, it looks <laughs> really terrible. It's the it's in Kelvin Grove Park, and it's called the Kelvin Grove Bandstand. And it's just kind of like bleachers, and a little stage, and it doesn't look any special just when you walk past it all year. But in August they do uh, summer nights, is what it's called. I think last year they had Tom Jones playing. Oh wow! And this year they've got like you know the Sugar Babes, Sophia Ellis Baxter, the Fratellis. So they have, they have all these kind of different acts, old and old and new. Uh, but yeah, it was really good, really good gig, um, and uh, yeah. But anyway, we're here to talk about SummerSlam, um, obviously a little bit later than we would usually like to, but uh, we'll be talking about Raw and The Fallout, and everything Tomorrow and PowerSlam. But uh, SummerSlam uh, 2023 is in the record books, breaking all kinds of records, Finn. Um, It was a big success for WWE, uh, which, you know, I'm sure they're very happy about. Um, Let's dive in to the show. So, um, first of all, in terms of on TV... With you know the video package, the way the stadium looked, how did it come across in general?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it came across really well. Um, I mean, I've, I've got to say, when uh, when Kid Rock appeared, I was like thinking, oh, is he gonna do some numbers? You know, what's <laughs> And he didn't, he was just on at the start, that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. There was no close up of him in the front row kissing some woman, which I was very thankful about.
1: <laughs> well, it's, ve- it's very funny because um, when my mum picked uh, us up from the airport last night, she was, uh, I, I can give this away. She, her, her and her boyfriend have a dodgy fire stick, which, you know, we all know people who've got dodgy fire sticks. And she said, Oh, you, you, you never know what come up. You, you'll never guess what came up in the dodgy fire stick. SummerSlam. And I said, Oh, did you watch it? Did you watch the main event? you know, just joking with it. She said, no, but I did turn it on. She said, I saw that kid rock. He needs to call it a day, surely. <laughs> yeah, he probably does, but um, <laughs> he's there anyway. Give that a go. um we yeah, opened- I mean, it looked great on TV
2: as these events always do. I mean, it was, it was just matches. I mean, there was, I don't think there was even any angles. There was no in-ring segment. It was just match after match. Yep. And, um you know, I'm glad that they ended up um Excising two of the matches from the from the uh, from the card because the show I felt was long enough as it was. It was like four hours plus. So I think if those Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus, you know, Rhea Ripley versus uh, Raquel Rodriguez had been on the show, that would have been like five hours, wouldn't it, or thereabouts? Or some matches would have been truncated. And I think they made the right decision, trimming it to like eight matches. You know, so, but I mean, it looked great on TV. You won't have seen it on TV. You'll have just seen, the only version you'll you'll have in your mind will be the live version, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've not had a chance to watch any of it back. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a live experience, it was really, really good. I did turn to to Steve Gunn and I said, you know, the last time I was in this building, Donald Trump was a baby face and he wasn't a politician yet. And because uh, obviously that was where Arresting Me 23 was held back in 2007. Uh, yeah. but. I mean, it was really, really good. The stadium itself was was really easy to get into. Because I think, I mean, there was about 50,000 people and it was really easy to go and buy a drink. It was it was a nice, nice stadium. I thought they, they shot it really well. The one thing I'll say when you're there live, that's something that is a little bit annoying, but it is what it is, is, you know, the kind of curved entrance way that they do? Yeah. We were in the first tier and you can't see anything of the entrance. I mean, you so when somebody when you see when you hear music that you don't see anything of the person till they get to the steps at the ring you just don't because there's no elevation right there's no there's no stage elevation so it's that's the only thing I think from a live experience that that ramp is a bit frustrating because you just no matter where you are you don't see anything uh but you know they get more people in so that's why they do it um but we opened the show with Logan Paul versus Ricochet the They were trying to make the most viral match in WWE history. They go about 18 minutes. um, It ends up uh, finishing with a a man giving Logan Paul a pair of brass knucks and him hitting ricochet with it and scoring the pin. Uh, And then, of course, Samantha Irvin had to announce Logan Paul as the winner. He was kind of taunting her. You get her to do it again, try to get her to do it again. Uh, But yeah, pretty hot match live. How did it come across on TV?
2: Yeah, I thought it came across, you know, really well. I mean, Logan Paul was booed out of the building and just capitalized on that, exploited that, he ran with that. I mean, he started as he meant to go on by polishing Ricochet's bald head with his wrist tape. And Ricochet <laughs> slapped him in response. I mean, there was lots of fancy exchanges. I mean, it's a bit of a fancy pants match, let's be honest. Um, but there's some really, you know, really fun stuff in here like, you know, Paul hit a rude awakening neck breaker, which was described as such on commentary. Um, and it really cracked me up when he did the, uh, the Hulk Hogan ear cup and then the <laughs> big boot and then the splits leg drop of doom, which Michael Cole told us, uh, Logan Paul calls the Hogan Paul. <laughs> so, I mean, he was just hamming it. There was just all sorts of ham at this point. He was hamming it up and the audience of booing him out of the building. And, you know, Ricochet had his comebacks and, you know, a uh, standing moonsault. Um, you know, really good-looking uh, shooting star press. Unfortunately, um, he landed on Logan Paul. Uh, Logan Paul raised his knees, so uh, Ricochet landed on Paul's knees. You should mention that earlier in the match, Paul had been working on Ricochet's ribs. That was kind of the story of the match where, he was just drilling his ribs and Ricochet was selling ribs. I thought he did that really well throughout the match and progressively so as well in a way that was very convincing. Um, in the end, uh, Ricochet went for a 6.30. Uh, Paul dodged it. And then one of his cronies suddenly appeared at ringside with the brass knuckles, put them on Paul's hand. He clobbered Ricochet. Referee didn't see it. One, two, three. Logan Paul won. 17 minutes, 59 seconds. Um, I enjoyed the match. I just I found the finish a little bit odd. Like, you know, Logan Paul's like a boxer. He's supposedly got titanium in his hand. And Ricochet is a mid-level act. So why would he need the brass nooks to beat Ricochet after all the punishment that he had inflicted upon him? I mean, I, I like in a sense you could say, well, it's it's really good that they protected Ricochet on the finish, but I still found that finish a bit
1: curious. Yeah, the thing the thing I found quite curious about the finish was the idea that because the person who hit him with it, the person who handed him the brass knucks, didn't appear to be MD of note. And no, I, and I actually asked, uh, you know, a certain person who uh, works at ITR Events, who you know, uh, she is in the US now, at the, now and. Uh, she was saying to me, it was just kind of somebody from the PC or somebody who it was. It wasn't like a a notable name. It was just kind of somebody drafted in to give Logan Paul the brass knucks. So that to me was a bit kind of. If you go to do that angle, if that's what what it is, it doesn't seem to be leading to anything. Of no. you know, it's not like it was KSI or something who gave him the brass knucks, and that's we've had that kind of established. It's his pal, but. Um, I mean, I think in terms of the the one thing for me about this, it was a very good match. I think the the difficulty was because they were trying to brand it as this, like, the most viral match ever. Like, obviously, it wasn't. You know, it was just, it was a good match. And then I think as well, you know, there was kind of this murmuring in the Daisy Nut that they were planning, like, a really inventive spot that would be, like, on the highlight reel and everything. I don't think they really did that. So, but, you know, sometimes that could be you're just, because their first interaction was that Royal Rumble moment where they did the off of the rope clothesline onto each other. Yeah. They've kind of set the bar there, right, of like this big thing. And I, I don't think they did anything that spectacular. And maybe people were expecting, I think I was probably expecting some sort of spectacular moment that I don't think we got. But maybe that was just me putting too much uh, hype into it.
2: Yeah, I, I do know what you mean. Uh, I mean, I think what they did instead was they actually, you know, it was like it's like a Vince Russo moment. When the public thinks we go right, we go left. You know, what they actually gave us was a match with a story in it and a lot of moves that, you know, added up to a, um, you know, a traditional, you know, obviously there's lots of flash, but it was a traditional wrestling match, you know, that was based upon with a start, middle and an end. And we had a heel and a baby face and the heel used nefarious means to win. So, I mean, instead of having, you know, some sort of YouTuber type, you know, silly over the top thing that was tacked on just for the purpose of, you know, creating a viral moment and lots of, you know, hits or whatever, they actually gave us a match that I think worked really well. So I actually, I'm pleased that they did what they did rather than, you know, create you know tacking something artificial on just strictly for the purpose of, Creating more social media noise. So, I, I mean, I thought it was a big success, the match. I was really pleased with it, apart from that strange ending.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, up next, we had a uh, video package recapping all the Brock Lesnar, Cody Rhodes stuff. We still don't know why Brock Lesnar attacked Cody Rhodes back in April, but, uh, you know, maybe he was just annoyed. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> he wanted Co- the night off. That's why. <laughs> he wanted the night off. Didn't want to wrestle on Raw. Um, so Cody's mum was in the front row and the whole story of this match was kind of Lesnar dominating Cody over and over again trying to get him to kind of give up and Cody you know valiantly trying to come back and in the end he does we even see Cody put Brock in, in a Kimura lock of his own after Lesnar done one time earlier and uh, in the end three crossroads was the downfall along with a wardrobe malfunction for Brock Lesnar and uh, Cody gets <laughs> the win I did not see so, like, when I'm at a wrestling show, I really try my best to look at the ring and not at the screen. So I was like w- watching the ring the entire time. So I didn't notice the wardrobe malfunction till afterwards. So I kind of went on social media and pointed out to me. But um, I mean, obviously, yeah,
2: we, uh, yeah shorts like tore,
1: didn't they? Yes, they they, they tore quite extensively. Uh, we he knew had Cody-
2: something on underneath, happily.
1: Thank God. Uh, <laughs> we you know we 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 knew Cody was gonna win, but. Uh, I mean, to me, I thought this was the best match of their series that they've had, but uh, what did you think?
2: Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, again, it was a, a very different to the previous two matches they'd had. Um, I mean, the whole thrust of it was that Lesnar was dominant. Cody was the underdog who ostensibly had no hope, no chance in hell, to use a phrase from a certain guy, of beating Brock Lesnar. And, um, you know, Lesnar kept suplexing Rhodes, who's selling. And then Lesnar threw him out of the ring and he said, yelled at him, save yourself. Lesnar said, uh, yelled at Cody, save yourself, uh, meaning take the count out loss. And, of course, the valiant, gallant Cody Rhodes wasn't going to take a count out loss. So he kept returning to the ring and uh, Lesnar said, Cody, this is only going to get worse. And, of course, he did as Lesnar continued to, like, clothesline and suplex Rhodes, knocking him to the floor again. Um, Lesnar F5 f five Rhodes on the floor, then f 5 him on the announce desk. But somehow Rhodes kept managing to beat the count, and Lesnar in the ring is growing, you know, increasingly frustrated and angry, you know, with Cody Rhodes for not taking the easy way out. And finally Rhodes made his big comeback, and, you know, people are like, stunned. It's like, wow, you know... Uh, we, we thought it was over for him. It was like a classic pro wrestling story of the underdog, you know, digging down deep and, you know, finding this courage and this energy and his second wind or his third or fourth or fifth wind or whatever it was, you know, made this amazing comeback on Lesnar. He said he applied the Kimura um, and in the end, Ryds, uh hit the um, uh, three crossroads um, for, the, uh, for the three count. So, yeah, it was quite a sterling... Valiant comeback by Rhodes in the end After it seemed that all hope was lost In the first Like two thirds of the match So they told quite a story out there Again very different You know very different from the first match And this would be the pattern throughout the show If you actually look at it Every match on the show was different And purposely so Yeah. So nothing was similar to anything else um, But I mean I think really The thing that put The match over the top for me was the aftermath um, in which Lesnar really sold afterwards um, and then, you know, shook hands with uh, Cody and even raised his arm and, you know, congratulated him and, you know, endorsed him as basically said, you're the better man here. Um, And Rhodes was like, seemed quite taken aback that Lesnar would do that. Um, And Lesnar just sold all the way back, you know, to the locker room. Um, So, yeah, that was an unexpected ending. That Lesnar would do effectively a babyface turn and put Cody over in the ring, and then afterwards in the ring.
1: Yeah, so put Co- him over, put him over twice effectively. Put him over twice, and Cody Cody did say that that was not a planned moment. Whether that's right or wrong, I mean, I, I don't. Cody doesn't strike me as the sort of guy who would say that, say that about this particular thing. So it's, I bet Brock Floyd did just go into business for himself and hug him. And we know that Lesnar's leaving for months; like he's not coming back. So it's not like there was. It's not like he had to remain heel for tomorrow or for next week. So, yeah, and it's, you know, I, I can't remember a time where Lesnar has endorsed something like that before. No. um, You know, he's worked with Roman Reigns loads of times, not seen it with him. We've just not seen it. So uh, for Cody, this was a, a big night for him. I I, I loved yeah. the match. Um, Yeah, I thought it was really, really good. And I mean, uh, and
2: remember, Kenny, the biggest shocker of all, Brought Lesnar went 17 and a half minutes. <laughs>
1: when does he ever do that?
2: Um, <laughs> I mean, he must really like Cody Rhodes, mustn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah, he, mu- he, he must. He must
2: really admire him.
1: Um, but yeah, so, so it was a belt of a match. Uh, we then had videos for Payback and WrestleMania 40, uh, which would be in Philadelphia. Uh, but up next, it's the Slim Jim SummerSlam Battle Royal. We got entrances for The Miz. AJ Styles, LA Knight and Omas, um, we had uh Austin Theory, Karrion Cross, Cameron Grimes, Apollo Cruz, Santos Escobar, Champa, uh, all three brawling Brutes, Matt Riddle, Grayson Waller, Nakamura, Bronson Reed, the Viking Raiders, JD McDonough, Rick Boogs, Otis and Chad Gable, and Imperium in the match. And um, I mean it was a pretty standard battle royal. There wasn't really anything in it that was overly Uh, exciting the main excitement was was that kind of coming down to the wire right where we we had la Knight in there and we were teased potentially that you know we were going to be left left jilted at the altar once again in our love of la Knight. would la Knight, you know be you
2: know be the bridesmaid but not the bride oh he was the bride on this night
1: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and you know we've said this i feel like we've both, both been kind of reluctant to kind of keep talking about Elliot Knight because if they're not going to push him, what's the point in us? Keep banging on about yeah. it. But they decided to give him his flowers and give him his moment. So uh, it appears that uh, we were we, we were right all along. We just had to get there.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's like when you've, you've been fooled so many times, you get cautious, don't you? You're just like, mm, you know, I, I don't want to allow myself to believe in this person. And, you know, that becomes a contagious feeling. And happily, I mean, I think it was really good that LA Knight won here. Had he lost here, had he not won this bottle royal, I think that would have been very difficult for him to overcome. Um, so I'm glad that they pulled the trigger on him here. Um, it was really good to see uh, Knight and Sheamus at the end, LA Knight and Sheamus at the end, uh, pull off the uh, run up the ropes and suplex spot, which they'd screwed up royally in their match on SmackDown the previous evening. Um So I bet they were relieved that they managed to get it right you know, at SummerSlam at the end of the Battle Royal. Uh, But I mean, it was good to see uh, Omas here. He was brought out by MVP as the last entrant. He easily eliminated Apollo Crews and Rick Boogs, as well as JD McDonough. I would say it doesn't look good for any of them, but JD was then involved uh, with Finn Balor and the Judgment Day on Raw, so maybe there's a lifeline there for him, but Things don't look good for Cruz and Rick Boogs. Doesn't bode well for them, the fact that Omar's eliminated them so swiftly. So, I mean, yeah, there's, you know, Champer eliminated, you know, the Vikings. And uh, there was some other good stuff in there as well. I mean, ugh, Karrion Cross and AJ Styles. We had, you know, some repeat of that. So, I think, are they wrestling this Friday on SmackDown? I believe they are.
1: Unfortunately, they are.
2: So, I mean, I really hope that this match on SmackDown this Friday brings to an end this really dull feud. I mean, Styles needs something exciting to get him going again. He just feels like, just feels like yesterday's news, doesn't he, AJ Styles? Unfortunately, yeah. Um, but to me, it was really good to see this after Lesnar versus uh, Cody Rhodes because I don't think any match really could have followed that. So, I think it was really good match placement to put this sort of fun battle royal after you know the emotion of Rhodes versus Lesnar and the fact that Knight won um, was absolutely the right decision, the audience were really behind him, they really appreciated and endorsed the outcome so yeah I mean I think this was a big success as well Kenny
1: Yeah and um really good to finally see Eli Knight kind of get his moment here, he was the one that people wanted to win yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, Seamus did a really good job helping put him over at the end. So uh, that was good. I mean, I, apart from that, it was a battle royal. You know, it's not really. it wasn't really a lot of storyline stuff to it. But the the ending was good in early night one, and that's the important thing. Um
0: Absolutely.
1: We were very, very complimentary last week of that excellent uh, series of videos on Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, which came out later in the week. That Paul Heyman uh, had a hand in, which makes sense. Um, big fight feel was what they were trying to go for so the match itself this MMA rules match um, in, in the in the building they didn't really announce the rules of it, I mean you could kind of put it together but it would have been nice to have a little kind of you know, here are, the, here are the rules of the match, I know they explain it on TV but they didn't really explain it live they then have this kind of seven and a half minute MMA rules match the crowd in the in the building were very quiet for it, There's people chatting boring Towards it, it was not a live success. Uh, Shayna did get the win in the end, but I'm curious how it came across to you watching it uh, on the telly.
2: Really, really fantastically dull. Just so dull. I mean, it wasn't convincing. Again, it was like, who was the face and who was the heel? That wasn't really clear from the way in which they fought. Um, I mean, people just rejected it from the off. Unfortunately, I think the only way this could have succeeded is if they really went for it and pummeled each other. And obviously, if you saw Basler on Raw two nights later, she took a pasting in this match, but it didn't really look like she did. Um, you know, so I've seen enough of these sort of you know, worked MMA matches or you know, shoot-style matches that have been genuinely exciting, that have been absolutely thrilling. And this wasn't one of them. Um, You know, I think, to me, it was the flop of the night. Nothing about it worked. Um, I mean, Baszler won with a choke, which was the only good thing I can say about it. So at least Shayna won. But there's literally nothing else good I can say about this match. It was just a, a total dud. And it shouldn't have been after the amount of effort that went into it. And the amount of money that, you know, Ronda was being paid. And, you know, she was obviously on board putting a friend over here. And she did do that. But just yet another Rousey flop. Just one of the biggest disasters ever her comeback has been. You know, her 2022, 2023 run. Just like, yeah, one of the biggest flops in wrestling history, in my opinion, Kenny.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because... You know, we talked for a while about why did, you know, Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch never happen. It's like, well, probably because Becky Lynch probably had the sense. See that, why would she get in there with Ronda Rousey? Who just, every time she's in there, the energy leaves the room. It yeah. Just, it just does. And to me, like, I do understand and I do agree with the idea that these PLEs should have, you know, a short a shorter amount of matches so they can all have good time and they can all have a good story. However, I do think it's it's a real mark of disrespect to Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus for the excellent work they've put in the last few months. That they were not on this card. They should have been on this card over this match in particular. Um, you could have get you could have taken five minutes away from the main event easily. You know, I think I I, I see that between video package and match and angle, the main event had fifty six minutes. You could have taken five off that. And t- give give this match and give it to Becky and Trish. They deserved it. Um, they just shouldn't be having a match on a random Raw compared to this match, which just didn't didn't work.
2: It and just bombed. It just was a total bomb.
1: Yeah, and like I I think that they did work hard together. I think they they did work hard, but the problem, like you say, was there was not really any heel face definition, which the Needs to people can say heels and baby faces don't matter, but they do, of course, they, always do. Like, think, you know, of course they matter. Absolutely,
2: so, because we need to know who was supposed to be rooting for,
1: yeah. Because otherwise, the crowd you know, you see it sometimes when you see two baby faces have a match, but it sometimes doesn't work because the crowd don't really know what to do, and they don't really know who to root for, or two heels where they don't really care. But, um, you know, the, 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 I think that people were very hard on it because it. It was a rushed storyline as well, obviously, because the turn was at Money in the Bank. And Shayna, before the turn, had not been presented in WB as any sort of big name or big star. And then she's expected in four weeks to go out and do one week Babyface promo, one week heel promo, and all of a sudden have 50,000 people care. Um so yeah. But, but,
2: but the odd thing about it was people were really behind her when she turned on Ronda at Money in the Bank. Yeah. So I don't and know then, why they didn't just go for that. It. And then it was just, and then after that, it's like, well, and then she did that promo on Raw two nights later, and that was very well received in which she trashed uh, Ronda and just pointed out how dreadful she was on promos and how people were sick of her. And fans absolutely were rooting for Shayna in that. And then we, the next time they clashed in the ring, it was it was hard to decipher who was supposed to be the face and who was supposed to be the heel, because the next time they clash, it seemed like Ronda was the face and Baszler was the heel, and it was not well-defined at all. This is WWE. You know, if you were to do an interview with anybody who works in a creative capacity or has worked in a creative capacity in WWE, they'll tell you that's a fundamental. That is the first thing you do, is, you, is that you you set out who the audience is supposed to cheer for and, and boom, It's that simple. And they completely flopped. They completely failed when it came to bayza ronda because it was just so muddled it was very difficult to know whose 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 side we were supposed to be on and then they had this mma rules match which was not the rules were not explained um, we didn't really know what to expect um and we're not I mma mean, most of we go to, when we watch a wwe show we're not interested in mma we want to watch escapist entertainment we're not interested in worked fights we want wrestling that's what we pay to see So they gave us some, you know, they basically gave the fans a match that people weren't really that interested in. And then it was really dull. So, I mean, it was a fail on every level.
1: I mean, the thing is, the one thing I I will say is Brock Lesnar has obviously brought a lot of MMA influences into his wrestling style in this run, this last 10 years or 11 years. But there was two things. that: Number one, he was really over. And number two, he adapted it into his wrestling thing and I think here it was just, they weren't really adapting it, they were kind of trying to do an MMA rules thing, which yeah. you know, if if two people are really over, you can kind of do whatever you want, but neither of them are over, which is a real shame because I, I I really wanted this to be a big thing for Shayna. Obviously, I, I've seen that she shows up on Ron does something, so maybe it, this will lead to something good for her but yeah, this was just a colossal dud and uh, I kind of felt bad for them because I, I I think that this is one of those times where the booking of this was also not kind to them and in, in how it was I think it still would have probably not delivered if in the last month they'd had a clear baby face and heel but I think it would have stood a better chance. Um, well I mean
2: we should have just done some high impact moves and bounced each other around with some suplexes and big high impact moves which is what Lesnar does and that's what people react to Yep. And maybe you thought, well, we can't do that. Sprott does that. So, like, well, you could have done some moves that people would recognise and get excited by, <laughs> and instead you did this sort of worked version of an MMA, of an MMA fight, and it wasn't convincing in
1: that regard, and it wasn't exciting. Um, up next on the show, though, we had Günther, the Ring General, defending his Intercontinental title against Drew McIntyre. Um, they end up going about 13 and a half minutes. And in the end, as expected, Gunther was able to retain uh, with a top rope splash after McIntyre was crotched on the top rope. Uh, and then a larry at a powerbomb for the one, two, three. What did you make of this one? Because there was a lot of hype going into this match. People had big expectations.
2: Well, I think people were, were just, you know, still recovering from the boredom of Rousey versus Baszler. <laughs> so that had a knock-on effect here, and they had to work very hard to provoke a reaction, which they did finally towards the end. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it was a very cold crowd uh, that Gunther or Gunther and Drew um, walked into here in this IC title defence. I think the thing that really inc- impeded them was the knowledge that Gunther, or Gunther rather, I'll pronounce it correctly at some point, He's not going to lose that title until after mid-September, after he breaks Honky's record. We know that. There's no way he will lose that belt. There's no way he was going to lose the belt here to Drew McIntyre. So I think that really, you know, damaged the match. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't as good as what they did at WrestleMania. I thought it was good, but I think it could have been better. It reminded me a little bit of Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor at Money in the Bank. It was as if they were holding back slightly and they weren't giving us like everything they had to offer. It almost felt like the first match of a series, even though it actually was a pinfall you know, win for Gunter. Um, and in a sense, almost feels like it, it put an end to the feud after just one match. I'm not sure about that. I mean, Drew stormed off afterwards. Um, Was this consequential? Could we read anything into this? Drew seemed really upset after he lost. So is that going to lead to the heel turn? I'm not sure. I mean, he's obviously doing the the movie at the moment, isn't he? So he's not around full time. And until he returns full time, I don't think they're going to do... Anything? Any, they're not going to make any big moves with him, are they? Until he no. until he's there full time, and probably until he resigns as well.
0: Yeah,
1: and I think, yeah, I mean, whether this is, I mean, if if he was frustrated at kind of the crowd response to the match, that's also possible. But I mean, he strikes me as someone who's more business than that, and he's more kind of you know, if he's doing something for a, a storyline reason. Um, yes,
2: yes, that that was my that was how I construed it that he was you know this will this will be brought up again when he next appears on tv that he had lost his match and you know was really annoyed with himself and you know's gone away to you know from, you know some soul searching or to you know study his performance or whatever or change his attitude hopefully uh, we all i think most of us want him to turn heel because he's done basically everything he can as a babyface in this company um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, I enjoyed it certainly towards the end, but I felt like they could have given us more.
1: Yeah, I think to me, it, I, I, I was underwhelmed by it, but not because it wasn't good. It was very good. But I think that the the series of matches that Gunther has had, like the Sheamus one at Clash at the Castle, the Triple Threat at WrestleMania, they were so great that I kind of thought this was going to be on that level. And I, I think I just assumed that it would be. And sometimes that can happen is you just assume something's going to be like you know, I don't want to say five stars, like just great, and then it's good and you're disappointed. So, um, yeah, but I mean, it was still a very good match. I don't think this will be one that people will remember. No, I don't think I... this will. Yeah, can you? Know, we'll, 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 I'm sure in a couple of years when we're talking about Gunther, hopefully next year when he's feeding with Brock Lesnar potentially. But like, I think we'll always bring up the Sheamus clash at the Castle match, the WrestleMania three way. They're like his two. Gunther's two main roster classic matches that you're always yeah. going to reference. And this just isn't one that's going to be in that list. But um, but he is going to, you know, now, I, I did say to him in the press morning, actually, because I thought, do you know what? I'm going to make it just my personal mission to pop Gunther, just make him laugh. He right. he's, not a la- he's, not, he's not a funny guy. Um, so I was just asking him a question, and I said, you know, did you ever think that your name would be mentioned in the same breath as the Honky Tonk match? It, it did make him. It did, he did laugh. He did. It did pop him. So, um, <laughs> and he remained professional. I'm sure he could have said various things about being put in the same reference point as as old Honky. But uh, yeah, he, he he found that quite funny.
2: I mean, I, I really hope that they bring Honky Tonk Man in to do some sort of angle with him. Oh after, yeah, after he breaks the record, I can't. I, I, do, I tried to work it out the other day. It's sometime in mid September when he. No doubt he's going to break the record. It's just over a month. I think it's about 30 days or something like that. Um, So that's actually more like early September, isn't it? It's about 30 days before he he breaks Honky's record, which I believe was, I was actually writing about this in my SummerSlam review. So I should <laughs> have the number, ah, 454 days as IC champion. That's the record held by Honky Tonk Man. And um, So I was right about that yesterday, actually, in my SummerSlam review. So uh, I really hope that, yeah, Wayne Farris is brought in to do something with Gunter um, when Gunter breaks that record.
1: Um, we then had uh, Finn Balor make his entrance for the match with Seth Rollins. It's funny, he came out with uh, the word seven painted in his shoulder, and I thought, you know, is this a is this a nod to Dustin Rhodes WCW gimmick? Like, what is what's the seven about? It was seven years. That's what the seven was all about. Um And I, th- I mean, I think what we yeah, can... it was,
2: well, it was seven years, wasn't it? They had the match for the uh yeah, the Universal, Universal title title, in the yes. SummerSlam 2016, and that 2016. was the match in which Balor won. And he suffered the injury and he had to rel- relinquish the belt.
1: Now, obviously, Finn, going into this, you were. We were all we were very hopeful that Finn was gonna win the title so that he could be, you know, on our cover and we could be, you know, it could all be a big party. Um he didn't win the belt, but I mean I think this match was, you know, just miles, miles better than their match at Money in the Bank last month. This was just yes. like you know, pate- you could say match of the night. I don't think many people would disagree. Um, I think Matt and Cody and Brock are probably the matches in the night but I mean this was an excellent match live to see with all the shenanigans um, I really thought Finn had it a few times uh, but have you have you had your chance to mourn for a few days that he didn't win and where are you, where are you at now in your assessment of the match?
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds
2: Yeah, I mean, I was disappointed that he didn't win. I mean, I had planned to put him on the cover. It all worked out. I had at least three different titles all worked out in my head. I had the conclusion to the this is how, this is how much thought I put into these things. I had the conclusion all worked out, and and then he didn't win. Um So, uh, yes, yeah, very disappointing in that regard. I still think that his time will come. I I still think he's going to be champ. This is what I think is going to happen. I think Damian Priest is going to cash in. He will become champ. That will then lead to the split of the Judgment Day. Bala will go face, and then Bala will defeat Priest to become champion. That's my prediction.
1: I mean, I, th- I think, look, I think, that's a, I think that is a, a fair prediction to make. I don't think it's a pie-in-the-sky thing that we're talking about here, because the Judgment Day is basically the raw Bloodline story. Yes, yeah. it's this and, and it's it's going from strength to strength. I thought what was really clever about this was that by having sort of priest be involved and then having Dom and Rhea involved, it kinda makes Finn look like the weak link of the group. Which yeah. you could kinda say, Oh, that's not very good, but that's kind of the point of what the, they're trying to tell with the story, is that priest has come out here and tried and tried and tried to help. Um and still Rollins in the end, you know, eventually Priest gets you know frustrated and thro- puts the briefcase in the ring, and then Balor tries to reach for it, and Rollins does the stomp on Balor's head onto the briefcase and pins him. So it's like you know the briefcase was the reason he lost. It adds a lot of uh, layers to it. I know we can talk about that when we talk about Raw, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought this was a stellar match. Really, these two deserve a lot of praise for making this title really feel like a prize.
2: Yeah, definitely, and it all makes sense now that. You know they were they were they showed so they showed the restraint that they did at Money in the Bank. They didn't want to do too much there because they were going to do the rematch at SummerSlam. So that all makes sense now, um, and it's all about pacing and telling a story. And I feel like the story has not yet reached its conclusion. You know, there was interaction again on Raw two nights later. We'll talk about that on our next in our next recording. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed the match as well. There was so many things happened, and you know they had me convinced. That Bala was going to win. You know, when Priest came out, and then there was Rhea, and there was Dominic Mysterio, and they were arguing with the ref. And there was, you know, Bala had kicked out a stomp. And then, you know, Rollins took out Priest and Dom at ringside, and Bala capitalized on the distraction and hit the uh, coup de gras, And that was like only a two count. Then Priest distracted the ref after dropping the case in the ring. But that backfired when Rollins ended up stomping Balor's head on the briefcase for the pin. And it felt like, you know, the finish was designed to protect Balor because it was really Priest who cost him the win rather than, you know, it it was more like had Priest not interfered, then maybe Balor would have won. And it was Priest's interference backfired that was the reason that he he ended up losing to rollins so i think you know the story has still got a lot of juice left in it there's a lot of mileage left in uh, rollins versus members of the judgment day um and yeah i still think and you know i still think Balor's time will come but perhaps not as a villain and i can't see how they can match Balor and rollins up again on a premium live event in a one on one match i don't think that will happen I think he's had his two shots now, and I think he's not going to receive another. Yeah. I mean, I, but I still feel like he was protected on the finish. He's still a player, he's still a star, and he still can be champ.
1: And then the near falls in the match were just excellent. Really, oh, really superb. superb. Yeah. It
2: was so well put together. And, you know, the audience was split as well. You know, let's go Rollins and let's go Finchance. So, I mean, there's a lot of support there for Baller. And I think when it comes down to it, Baller will be received as a baby face. And I think it'll be bigger. Than he's ever been when he does do the turn, and that'll stand him in good stead for becoming champion at a later date. Yeah. And then just
1: maybe Kenny will get that inside the ropes cover. We're 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 working towards. We're doing everything on our side to make it happen. He just needs to do his work over there. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but no, I thought uh, I think the, the yeah the, the ma I, I can't really say enough good things about the match. I really enjoyed it, and you know, I spoke to Bauer at the press morning, and one of the things I asked him was about you know. Do you think, in terms of, you know, he's so known for being like an in-ring worker, but whereas you know he's doing so much storytelling outside of the ring, like how did he, how does he feel about it? And he kind of said, you know, he's most comfortable in the ring, and you know now he's kind of doing all this stuff, and but but he he because I said to him, you know, it must be must be great for him now in the role that he's in to be in the ring you know, when everyone's just really into the angle. And, you know, they're shouting at Dom, you know, they're, re- they're reacting to him because he's not really had that before where he's no. been in stone line where that's happened. And he kind of said, it's really fun. And he wasn't expecting it to be fun. So it's good to just kind of see someone that, you know, you've known for a long time and I've followed for a long time and interviewed loads um, to kind of see him getting his getting his chance and seeing it just kind of all click into place for him. So, um so um, not
2: agree. More. Obviously, it was in Bullet Club, but I mean that was different. And you know, and having to do this in front of an English-speaking audience, I mean, it's a lot more complicated, and there's yeah. a lot more layers to it, a lot more n- nuances to it, and minutiae and you name it. There's a lot more to it. It's not just wrestling, but I mean, as we know, that's you know why we watch wrestling for the stories. That's what drives the ratings, and that's what create creates the stars.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. Um. So the. The Triple Threat trip women's match was put in a tough position before the main event, Asuka, Bianca Belair, and Charlotte Flair for the WWE women's title. They ended up going about 20 minutes, and in the end, there was a pretty great sequence, actually, where um, Charlotte Flair had the figure eight on uh, Bianca, and Asuka blew the miss right into Charlotte's face as she had the figure eight in, and then Asuka ended up getting uh, trying to kick Belair who ducked it and then hooked Asker for a cradle and got the three count with Bianca winning the match. And then Io Sky runs out with the briefcase and cashes in and defeats Bianca Belair in eight seconds to become the new WWE Women's Champion. So lots happening towards the end here, Finn. Uh, how did you, you go about the match, the outcome and then the cash-in?
2: Uh, I mean, they really struggled um, to get the fans on side. Um, about eight minutes in, People did start rallying behind Bel-Air, um, but, you know, Charlotte Flair, I mean, ever since WrestleMania, she had that amazing match at WrestleMania, and since she's returned, it just, the spark feels like it's gone to me. I mean, it's heart not in it, or what anymore? We talked about this previously, and uh, this was better than some of the things that she's done, and, um, you know, she's had some pretty sloppy, you know, you know, mediocre performances, really, since she returned. Um, and I think the match should have been better. I mean, I felt like it parts of it was scrappy and they were rushing through stuff. It was as if they were trying to grab the crowd and trying to draw the audience into the action. And, uh, you know, they really struggled. I felt like the match lasted too long. I think they were just out there for too long. Um, I mean, the problem they've got is that Charlotte Flair is miscast as a heel, Asuka is miscast, sorry, Charlotte Flair is miscast as a baby face. She should be a heel. Asuka is miscast as a heel. She should be a baby face. And Bianca, I think, is trying and she's making headway, but she's kind of, she's had a bit of a strange year as well. So she seems a little bit lost in terms of a character. Um, She's not as strong and doesn't feel as confident and bold as she once did. I think it's because she's not champion anymore. So, you know, they were swimming upstream here. There was a lot of things for them to contend with. Again, yeah, they were out there too long. And, you know, I think had Eo Shirai not cashed in, I think this might have been regarded as a bit of a disappointment. And I think because Eo cashed in after Belair had scored the fluke pin on Asuka to become champ, I think people view will view this more favorably than they would have done had Belair left the ring as champ. 'Cause I'll I i do not think people were really ready for Bel Air to be champ again. It didn't really feel like it was her time.
1: I think I, I would have
2: preferred Asker to remain champ than Bel Air
1: to win. I do think I mean, I'm I'm gonna keep harping on this Bianca turn heel thread that I want to have. I I do think if she's gonna turn at some point, this is a good kind of bit of mileage for her. That you know, she, she worked to get the win here, she got the win, and then she was cashed in on immediately. Cause he guy is a natural babyface. So Yeah. If she was, if if that's the emphasis for Bianca to go heal, I get why they did it. Um, I was just so over the moon to not have Charlotte Flair be the champion. That was my anything else I was happy with. But yeah, because Charlotte Flair just doesn't feel that interested anymore. No, and it's like it every time feels she...
2: like she's just feels like she's going through the motions. Don't? It's like she's not striving to be the yeah. best anymore. It's like, well, I'm over. I've made it. I'm just going to coast now. That's the sentiments I'm detecting from her,
1: and the thing is like we all know whenever she comes back that the the plan is gonna to be to give her another title win so she can get to you know overtake her dad, but you know the difference between now and five title runs ago is that she used to be really relevant and and really over, but yeah, I mean I think she, I think Charlotte Flair should be in the conversation as one of the top ten worst WWE baby faces. Of the modern times, she's so bad at being a babyface. It's you know she just she can't do it. Uh, no,
2: no, she can't. We we just need a reset. You know they just need to reset. You know, be, put Bianca with Street Profits and Bobby Lashley. I mean, they feel like they're going somewhere, don't
1: they? Yep, it would be great to see. Great, great to see. Just you know, do, shake it up a bit. Uh, I was very, very happy for Eos Sky though. I loved the moment of her cashing in you know, and then seeing damage control with her and then hugging, uh, that was a great moment. The crowd ate it up live. So, yeah, at least... at least You're right, end... it's Eos...
2: I've actually written Eos Shirai here. I must have had some strange, like, like about <laughs> a year of my life just disappeared or a year <laughs> of her career just vanished. I've actually written Eos Shirai. Of course, it's Eos Sky.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, but that sometimes still happens with Danielson. Sometimes you just, you end up saying Daniel Bryan out of the blue. Yeah. When I mean, you know your brain has just tried to remove it. Um, there's, yeah, there's... I, mean, yeah
2: it was, I mean, great win for EO Sky, So, really you know, <laughs> good moment for her. And uh, nice to see Dakota Kai out as well. And she congratulated uh, Sky and Bailey was there as well, of course. Felt like a babyface moment, didn't it, when EO yeah. won the belt, which was yeah. also strange. So, I'm not sure what's going to happen next because. Prior to this, it felt like certainly when uh, Bailey and Eo Sky were on the Graves and Waller effect on SmackDown, it felt like there was a lot of tension between those two, didn't it? Did you did you see that? Did you see SmackDown on Friday? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I did. I did detect some tension, which I you know I think we know that we're heading at some point to some damage control implosion of some kind. We don't you know we don't know who's going to turn on. Well, I mean, we EO is going to be the babyface no matter what happens, but. Um, yeah, I think I think that we're gonna that's gonna be I wouldn't be I would be surprised if on SmackDown this Friday we don't start to see, you know, Bailey, maybe not to the extent of Christian Cage and AEW <laughs> taking the TNT title from Luchasaurus, but yeah. I think we'll see Bailey trying to be the kind of the person who owns the title when really it's EO's. So
2: Yeah, I mean I mean it was a bit weird because, really yeah, they were on the great smaller effect. And uh, you know, Bailey and Eo um, Waller asked EO um, if she was going to cash in tomorrow SummerSlam, and Bailey, you know, just basically took over, did the talking for EO, and EO looked really upset, really miffed. And then Shotzi turned up with a short hair um, and chased Bailey out of the ring. So, I mean, Bailey. In this feud with Shotzi, Bailey's definitely the heel, and Shotzi's the babyface. Even though it didn't seem like people even knew who Shotzi was with no hair, <laughs> that was that was quite funny. Yeah. Um. And yet here we're at Summerslam, you know, Io Sky was presented as a babyface, so it's all feeling, you know, a little bit, um, you know, all over the place, really. So yeah, I mean,
1: they, they probably knew they probably knew that in the moment people are going to want to root for her, and yeah. if you fight fight against it. Then it's probably just going to do more damage. No pun intended. But yeah. um, I did. You know, God bless her, because I think you. I think it's only fair that when you get someone who's from a different culture, and speaks a different language, that like sometimes it is hard to kind of navigate how to act. And Eosky was trying to act quite like disrespected by Bailey, yeah. um, but she almost went to the Bianca Belair School of Reactions, <laughs> which is not a school you should ever attend, folks. <laughs> <laughs> avoid that school with the plague um mm-hmm. but yeah good good for you to get the win and we'll see how that pans out on friday for damage control um it's main event time roman reigns taking on Jey Uso in tribal combat for the undisputed wb universal title um i don't know if this came across to you from you're watching on tv the crowd struggled for a while with this because yeah. a lot had happened And this was a really long match and I don't think it needed to be as long as it was. But could you detect that from from Kirill? Yes,
2: yes, absolutely. It was very, very slow. Pacing was just like, you know, glacier paced at the beginning. (laughs) And it was like, yeah, you guys are going long, aren't you? You are going to be out there for a very, very long time and you are pacing yourselves. Um, Yeah, I have no idea why the match was this long. It did not need to be. I mean, I know it was an epic main event and, you know, you know, huge match as part of this feud and it was SummerSlam, but it didn't need to be this long. They could have shaved 10 minutes off it easily and it would have been a better
1: match as a result. Let, let me ask you this. So, you know, we're kind of jumping ahead here, but, you know, why not? So, obviously, in the end, because the, the, the match is kind of happening, it's plodding along, they end up fighting into the crowd. This is when Solo Sokoa turns up, he hits Jay, brings him back, and then we've got all this stuff. And then eventually, Jay's about to win. We think because he, you know, hits Reigns with the, the the splash after after, uh, and and then somebody pulls him out, and it's Jimmy or so and Jimmy hit, hits Jay, helps Roman retain. This has had a very mixed response online in terms of people's reactions to it, and it's been quite different from the usual Bloodline reaction where everybody just kind of loves it and thinks it's just you know the bee's knees and it's great. And some of the criticism to this has been that it feels. Like, it's 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 going to start to drag by having Jimmy turn on Jay, what, how the story's going to progress between now and whatever they do next. Do you get a sense that there is anything in that of this not quite feeling like the bloodline stuff of the past? Or do you think that this can still retain the same level of enthusiasm that people have had for it uh, for so long? Because I should mention that Heyman's comment on the press conference post show, where he said we're at the bottom of the third inning, um, a baseball reference to which would basically make it like a nine-year angle if volume was correct, which I don't think is what's going to happen. But I think people are a bit spooked by that. Do you get the? What, what do you think generally about the Jimmy Turn and how they can keep the the sort of energy going of the bloodline angle?
2: Um, I mean, to me, it feels like it's peaked. I mean, I have said that before, but to me, probably peaked at Money in the Bank. I'm not sure how it can ever top that because that was such a huge moment when Jay scored the pin and that of course led to this match at SummerSlam, Slam. Um, and again, I think this was, you know, th- they, were in, they were in trouble because people, I think deep down knew that Jay wouldn't win. I think it was almost a bit like Drew McIntyre and Gunter. People knew that there's no way Drew is going to end Gunter's icy title reign, you know, just over a month before he breaks Honky Tonk Man's record. And I think it's probably going to be beneficial if Roman disappears for a while because people, I think, have probably realized now that he's going to retain that belt until WrestleMania, you know, if not beyond. I, I mean, we said, we, we, we thought earlier this year he's going to lose the belt for sure at WrestleMania, and he never did. So there are no guarantees, of course, when it comes to Roman Reigns. Maybe he won't lose the belt at WrestleMania next year. I think he will, but there again, I said that, you know, prior to WrestleMania this year, didn't mm-hmm. I? Uh, but yeah, it feels to me like it has peaked. They're gonna need, they're gonna need a very, very persuasive, uh, credible explanation on SmackDown this Friday as to why Jimmy did what he did. Uh, Roman's gonna be there. Jimmy's gonna explain all. Apparently, um, and I hope they've they've spent a long time thinking about this one. I'm sure they have. I mean, there's a lot of you know big wrestling brains behind this storyline and there's been times in the past where we felt like it's run out of steam and it's just you know it's just like wow you know it's been revitalized by you know an unexpected occurrence you know and maybe you know something big will happen you know this friday i mean might i mean i'm not i don't really want to see rikishi get involved but i mean that's something that might could be quite interesting couldn't it if rikishi yeah were involved and had a you know a bit of a sit down with Roman and with his sons, um, but yeah, he, he, this match they were out there too long. And as I said, we all knew that Roman was going to win. I mean, we predicted that Jimmy was going to do the heel turn. I mean, that seemed fairly obvious to me that he was going to.
1: Yeah, they were uh, setting up in the promos. They were they were giving telling you it was going to happen. You know, yeah. from from like three weeks ago. I mean, the thing the the thing that. I think they should do it. I think they should reintroduce Sammy Zayn into the angle. I don't know why they've not before. Uh, I think he would be somebody who, if you know, Jay's kind of on his own in the babyface side. I think Sammy would be a good fit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the difficulty is, I, I think Jimmy versus Jay could be a, could be a really good match. But you know, so, so say Jimmy and Jay they want to hold that off for of WrestleMania, for example. I, I'm not sure if they can. That's too far away. Yeah, because you've not you you've kind of set it up. That there's nobody else involved. There's Roman Solo, Jimmy, and Jay. So how do you span, How do you spin it out for that long? Or you would need to basically involve other people in in the angle. And yeah, I mean, I, that's,
2: it's, I mean that's eight months, isn't it, until WrestleMania?
1: Yeah, because the other thing—the thing that people—I—I I like the ending. I like the Jimmy turn. I'm open to seeing where it goes, but I think the criticism that people have had that I do understand is that it's kind of getting to Roman, the point where Roman—the Roman Reigns match—it's like the same formula every time. He's about to lose to somebody, and then somebody helps him win. Um, and I—I I think that's probably grown quite tiresome for people. But I mean, these—you know—when you've got Roman Reigns and Triple H and Paul Heyman all coming up with this stuff together, they should be able to come come up with some fresh. Material, yeah, fresh material. Because I think if people are getting bored of that now, they're still super hot, so they can they can do new things. But you know, because so, if if Roman because Roman's on SmackDown this Friday to do the you know Jimmy uh, and, you know hail about, to the
2: chief, that's what
1: it's called, isn't it? Hail, hail to, the- to the chief, hail to the chief, hail to the tribal chief. But then you know. Is Roman not around for a while? And then if Roman if Roman's not around, how the hell are you going to keep Jimmy and Jay away from each other? That's going to be impossible. And then the bloodlines—the big story on SmackDown. See, so that storyline has to be continuing week after week after week. So, unless you're introducing something new, I don't really know what else you do to keep things going at the rate they've been going at. So that's why I think you yeah. could see a Sami Zayn reintroduction.
2: Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, Sammy and Jay versus Jimmy and Solo feels like a big match and it gives Sammy something to do while Kevin Owens is recovering from his injury. Um, you know, you could even say, well, you know, Jay, I'm, you know, deputizing you as tag team. You know, we're going, we're going to defend the belts. You know, mm-hmm. we want to defend these belts. You know, Adam Pierce agrees to it. That would make it feel like a big match. And then Kevin Owens can. Get involved and like ring in or whatever, or you know make an appearance. What are you doing? Why is he defending my title? So the storyline mileage in that. But you're right, yeah. I mean everything has its shelf life in pro wrestling. Of course it does. And this bloodline thing, I don't know whether it's been the greatest thing the company's ever done. Probably not. But it's it's certainly top three. And uh, but at some point it will have to end, and they'll have to try something else. And you know it's to me it's like. It's like when you're watching a series and it ends and you're really disappointed that it's ended and you think oh I wish there was another series but in many ways that's the reaction you should have the <laughs> worst reaction you can have is God I can't believe there's another series of that show. i'm I've, I'm not watching that I'm giving up I can't face it anymore like I you know I was a huge fan of The Walking Dead and I just I just gave up I couldn't stand it anymore I'm not watching any more of this it's <laughs> Not like any sense to me. It's like, where's it going? I've lost yeah. interest in the characters. And you've got to know when to call time on a storyline. So I'm not saying that we're there yet, but you know, they need something big this Friday on SmackDown to extend this and sort of in some ways just take it in a slightly different direction. Because when people are expressing those sentiments that oh, you know, it's samey, we've been here before, almost like the NWO. Where the NWO was super hot in ninety six and ninety seven and actually into ninety eight. And then, you know, we saw the same thing again and again and again. And, you know, eventually people got tired of it. And, you know, that's what happens. And the trick is to recognize that people are tired of it before they stop watching it.
1: You know, that's the trick, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I I I I'm still enjoying the storyline. I remember obviously after WrestleMania, I was struggling for a month because Roman wasn't around, but yeah, I, I, they've, they've got to come up with something now to keep it going and to make people... Because I th- for me with this match, I think the, the time in this match was 36 minutes. I think that was the... This should have been a 25-minute match. Yeah. It, it didn't need to be any longer. And um, yeah, they just need to come up with some some stuff to make it feel a bit fresher. And hopefully they do it on Friday. because. You know, we, we, we've said before, oh, well, it's kind of it's done. I mean, they should have an end point in sight of what it is that's going to happen and what the end, you know, because that was the thing that Vince McMahon used to do years and years and years ago is he'd have the end point and he'd work his way back. And, you know, I think at this point, you now need to be thinking about what the end point is. And if it's next year, that's fine, but there needs to be plans. That, and we assume that Roman will be on Survivor Series. That would be my yes. assumption, and probably the Saudi show. So, yeah, I would think so. So he'll be on two pay per views in November. I don't think he'll be on the the next two. I don't think he'll be on payback or the one in October. So I think you know that's so then, then again, it's going to be. I, I think he has to be on TV semi regularly, like he has like he has been. Uh, I think he will, but I mean, but even the thing you mentioned, which we're not going to get because he's left. But if Brock had joined the bloodline or something, that would have been a fresh way to put something different into it. Yeah. So.
2: I, I mean, I thought they were hinting at that after WrestleMania when Hayden mm-hmm. was mentioning stuff about Lesnar. It's like, I had nothing to do with him attacking Cody Rhodes. And that was just dropped. It was just like, oh, well, are you going to do something with this or what? And um it was as if, that right, that's the plan. And someone got cold feet on it or maybe Lesnar couldn't be bothered. I don't know. But I mean, it was, um, I really felt like Lesnar, now it feels like Lesnar's a face. So, I mean, I guess he could turn heel again. I don't know. Um, but I mean, yeah, had Lesnar been involved, that would have been huge. And that would have extended it. And, you know, as I said earlier, revitalised it again. So I think, you know, if they're not going to do that, I think they kind of blew it there, Kenny. Uh,
1: and, you know, hopefully, Heyman is someone who's always thinking, so hopefully that line that he said in April, is going to pop up again. And hopefully, you know, Le- Le- Lesnar's not opposed to money. No. If you want to give him money, he'll come and do stuff. So I think, you know, that would almost be like a, I think that, that might be the, the the big thing, if they can pull that off.
2: Oh, yeah, that would on. crackle with tension. Because yeah. you'd have Heyman again there, who'd been in that position where, you know, he was the guy with the sticks and the plates, you know, and he's, like, running from one <laughs> to the other to keep the plates spinning. Yeah, And, like, you've got Reigns there really angry with him, and Lesnar's there just toying with him, and then you've got your supporting players who don't know what's going on, and that 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 there is, that there would be main event, that's tremendous. And that that is just, I can't believe that, if they don't do that, I will be really, really disappointed. Yeah,
1: it's, I mean, it's especially for Brock, it's like, Brock is at a point now where, you know, he's kind of, I don't think he's going to be champion again unless he's there, unless he gets it for somebody to beat him. Yeah. Um, so, like, you, you're using Brock to further your stories, so. Um... I mean, there's
2: just so much fun in Lesnar and Reigns as, like, these tag team partners and teammates and stable mates who don't trust each other. I mean, that there is just hilarious because then- Reigns is, like, you know, realises that Lesnar's on his level and... You know, he's going to be like really like, you know, worried about, knows he's unpredictable and you could turn on anyone. And, you know, that would, you know, then um, play into what happened in the tag match when, you know, in which Lesnar turned on Cody because Reigns was on the opposite side of the ring, wasn't he? Yep. You know, this guy, we can't trust him, Paul. We can't trust him. And that there is that there is what drives your storylines. That's just so proper that people tune in to watch.
1: I think you've also got the, the dynamic of Lesnar being in the same crew as Solo and Solo kind of being the, the, the henchman guy. You know, there's fun to have with that as well. Because if you think about it, the, the, the best times of the bloodline have been when, there have been, when there's been somebody else involved. Yeah. Um, the Sami Zayn thing, obviously, is the big one. But it's always been they somebody else involved. And this stuff has been really good with Jay and Jimmy and just kind of the intervoting between the bloodline. But I think for it to continue, it needs more people. So um, yeah. overall, though, what would your kind of summary thoughts be on this year's SummerSlam?
2: It was a really good show. I mean, it felt felt massive. I mean, it, it moved a lot of stories along. And, um, you know, there was, yeah, there was, a f- it adds its shortcomings, of course. I mean, Rousey versus Baszler being... Uh, the one that immediately leaps to mind Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, Asuka being, you know, second match that didn't really deliver. Um, you know, but Eeyore Sky, i get, I've, I just know it's Kenny, I've written her up as Eeyore Shirai in a bush. Of... <laughs> Go back and change that, otherwise you'd be writing it in the magazine, and then you'll get a bollocking. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it was a really good show. It just, I think it just felt it felt like second to WrestleMania. I mean, R- Rumble was big. Well, obviously, Elimination Chamber was big as well because of Zayn versus Reigns. But this felt like a you know big show. This felt like it really delivered. I mean, Money in the Bank was big as well, of course, with the tag match and the atmosphere and Jay scoring the shock pinfall, which of course made the cover of Inside the Ropes magazine, which you know probably Jay's career highlight. Appearing on the front cover of Inside the Ropes, he probably was. Mm-hmm. He's probably got that magazine framed on his wall now. I'm um, sure. So yeah, it was it was a really good show, and lots of things happened. And there's lots, of course, for us to talk about. We just spent an hour reviewing it, um, and there's lots more that we could have said about it. Um, yeah, some some disappointing aspects, of course, um, but I think overall it was a big hit. What do you think, Kenny?
1: Yeah, I thought it was a really good SummerSlam. I think, I think the thing, I think the thing that some people were leaving SummerSlam a little bit disappointed was that the pay per views this year have been so good that I think this is this is potentially the weakest of the bunch. But I don't think that's a negative to the show. I just think when you, when all of them are big hitters and they're all you know top tier, um, you know, because this probably was, I don't want to say not the worst main event. But it was probably the least kind of impactful main event of all the ones we've had this year, and yeah. I think that uh, that I think that's why, in some ways, people are a bit underwhelmed. But I think it was still, I And mean, if you put this SummerSlam last year or twenty twenty one, it's a great SummerSlam. It's just we've been kind of starved, uh, spoiled this year between. all Yeah, the I mean,
2: the, I mean, this is, I mean, it's shaping up to the to be WWE's best year ever for yep. premium live events or pay per views or super shows. I mean, by a considerable margin as well. So, um, you know, and I think, I think, you know, taking a break, Roman Reigns taking a break from in-ring activity wouldn't, you know, won't be the worst thing for him at this point in time uh, because he's slightly overexposed. The problem is, it's because the character, isn't it? The character can't lose and he's, he's a champion, so he can't lose because we know that when he does lose, it's got to be huge. It's got to be, you know, a career-defining moment for someone, and Jay was not going to be the man to end his title reign. So, you know, yeah, there was a few things about this show. You think, well, they kind of hamstrung, but the story would have been ludicrous for Jay to defeat Roman, wouldn't it? It was mm-hmm. that would have been the wrong outcome, even though it would have provoked a massive pop on the night. You know, in terms of the long-term vision, the long-term tale that they're telling. It would have been the wrong move, wouldn't it? It would have been short termism at the worst, you know. Not you know, it's it's a long term, big picture. That's what you're going to look at here. So I understand there was some disappointment on the night, but I think as long as the story reaches you know the conclusion that we all wanted to reach, you know, most of us anyway, Cody defeating Roman Reigns and potentially Jay being involved or whatever, I think we'll look back and say, well, yeah, it was the right decision, the right right outcome on the night.
1: Well, listen. We will be we'll be back tomorrow to talk uh, on Patreon to talk about Raw, um, but then on next week's what's going down? It'll be pretty interesting because we'll have this week's SmackDown to talk about and next week's Raw. So we'll have more of a picture of where where payback is going to be with the card. Um, so we shall see. Uh, but yeah, I want to thank all you for all your support. Um, and yeah, again, my apologies that this is a day late, but uh, you know we're here, better late than never. So yes, and
2: just a couple of other things. There'll be yeah. another what else is going down later in the month. And also we will be doing our sixth anniversary special, yes. which we still haven't done yet, even though our sixth anniversary was in May. But we are gonna do it this month,
1: Kenny. Better late than never. That is our motto. Um, but yes, <laughs> we we will be doing it. Uh, yeah, there's, there's lots going on.
2: Um I, I just want to I'll just sorry, Kenny, for another yes. one more thing. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, we did say I was going to mention something about Adrian Street last week, and we never did that because the Vince news came along and it kind of nudged that off. So we'll be definitely giving Adrian Street a mention tomorrow.
1: Yes, 100%. We'll open with that tomorrow so that we uh, give it the time it deserves. So, yeah, uh, and, you know, as always, com is where you can uh, check out new issues. Um, the cover and the for the new issue to pre order, which will include Finn's SummerSlam review, will be soon. I can also tell you, which is, I don't think I've said anywhere yet, I, I interviewed Adam Cole for the magazine uh, this month, which I'm very excited for you guys to read. We spent a really good 45 minutes together, and uh, yeah, I think there's some good stuff coming out of that. So um, that pre order will be available soon. Um, and Patreon, I think, has...
2: I think the pre order will be available Saturday. So, okay. um... I haven't done the cover yet. I do know who's going to be on the cover, but I can't tell you at this juncture. No, I haven't no done the cover yet, but it will definitely be ready by Saturday, and I think the pre-order will go live then.
1: Yes, yeah, so the best way to uh, the best way to check it is our Twitter feed, Twitter uh, inside underscore the ropes because we always put the, the the link live there straight away. So and we pin it in the comments, pin it in our, our page. So check uh, check it on there. Uh, but, Otherwise, if you've not got Twitter, InsideTheRopesMagazine.com is where you can keep looking to see if that pre orders up yet. And Patreon.com forward slash InsideTheRopes is where you can get more of us. Our Vengeance 2003 review went up last week, which was really fun to record. Uh, we'll be recording SummerSlam 2003 later this month. Uh, so there's lots going on. As always, we'll do our sixth anniversary, which we'll finally get to. We actually, um, last week was our was last week was episode three hundred of the Power Slam podcast. Wow. Three hundred episodes. So um that's wild that we've done that many. So um yeah and but it wouldn't wouldn't happen without all you guys who listen and support us and uh check out our stuff. So we are very happy to here's to another 300. <laughs> so um we'll we'll be here. Uh but yeah thank you for all your support everybody and we'll talk to you soon.